This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. People are going to lose their minds. This is a moment in history unlike anything humanity's gone through. It's a very different world for humans to come. Take a step back and see the broad picture, which is the way all these technologies are interlinked. Because this is all about exponentiality, and humans can't think in exponential terms. How consequential do you want to say machine intelligence is? It's almost certainly as consequential as writing. How long did writing take to disseminate through the human population? You know, hundreds, thousands of years. And we're dealing with it now on a scale of months. But in this kind of world, you're compounding 100% growth every year and the numbers become astronomical. AI is going to spot patterns in the world that were just completely invisible to us. Even if you think that the AI and the robots are your demise, you might as well bloody invest in them and make some money out of it. If not, you're just going to be angry man shaking your fists at the clouds. Is this what a year-end rally looks like? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Tony Greer, founder of TG Macro and editor of the Morning Navigator Newsletter. Hey there, Tony. Maggie, how are you? I'm doing okay. I think everybody's feeling okay today. We had some we have people in the chat already commenting, what a market today. We got big moves on the back of that softer-than-expected inflation data. Treasury yields dropping the 10-year uh, now below 10-year yield, below 4.5%. Stocks took off, big rally. The dollar moved lower. I know you probably got a lot to say about this, but I just want to take a minute first, because if we go back to the last time that you were on the daily briefing on Halloween, uh, you had a lot to say, and and I'm going to sort of roughly quote you. Um, we were talking, it was just ahead of the Fed meeting, and you were like, listen, we've seen this before. Everyone was bearish. And you're like, listen, we've seen this before. The S&P, Fed starts talking, S&P starts taking off. Stocks seem to look vulnerable on the upside in the short term. You felt like everybody was sure and we'd reached some serious support levels. And you said if we bounce from oversold, it wouldn't be shocking at all. You totally nailed it because literally the next day we've seen this big move, big shift in the market, not only big moves, but big move in sentiment. So I just wanted to sort of just pause and give you credit for that because it was a really important move. It was kind of contrary to what people were talking about. Um, and so here we are right now, today's action really sort of building on that. So I'd, I'd love to know how you're thinking about this market, given from, you know, what we saw from sort of November 1st on for this month, how are you thinking about things here? Yeah, Maggie. Well, first, thank you for noticing that uh, we we had a good handle on the markets, and and I'm always trying my best here at TG Macro for my clients. So that that's something that'll never change. But thank you for the recognition. We did happen to call this pretty much, you know, we we had the setup from the beginning. You know, we saw the heavy selling ahead of the Treasury's most popular refunding of all time that that my lovely mother-in-law was very concerned about. It was that popular. Um, and after a 10% slide in the market, you know, we were just saying, what is Jerome Powell going to come out to do to wreck this? Then, we, you know, to wreck this S&P further, then he came out at the FOMC meeting with that sort of dovish presser uh, heard around the world. 
and that got things started. And today, today is a watershed moment in the S and P, right? Like today is unbelievable because today was the first of sort of many benign CPI numbers, I think for months to come, right? We got CPI that was all softish to, to, you know, non-eventish today for October where we had oil at a median price of around 85 and then oil took a big tumble down to 75, 80 range. And I don't think like I tweeted before, I don't think people understand how bullish that is for the stock market because now lower energy prices take out that potential sting of having an upside surprise in inflation data, which is then going to derail the bond market, right? And send rates higher. And, you know, we absolutely got a reaction today that is just historic, right, from the data because the data was benign. And I think that we're going to continue to see that we've got energy in a lower range. So today, you know, stocks and bonds absolutely roofed. I mean, just to look at the magnitude, we had two sigma rally sectors, 17 sectors finishing with two sigma rallies. You know, on certain days, we sometimes have one to two to five stocks that have a two sigma move in either direction. Today, we had 17 sectors have two sigma rallies or more all at once. And so this is the very same market that everybody was saying, it's only being driven by seven stocks. And if you take the seven stocks out, it goes down and you know they're all upset. So today we have two sigma or more rallies in home construction, retail, regional banks, solar stocks, utilities, the equal weighted S&P. Transports, gold miners, biotech, consumer discretionary, industrials, financials, basic materials, airlines, social media, cybersecurity, internet stocks. I mean, fade that at your peril, right? So that that's how I'm thinking that's about the, it. Yeah. Okay, that's the that's the quote. That's the T-shirt. We always say we, we should. Just, I should just have like a shop right here and print them out right after <laughs> the show, um, because it's true. And and thank you for going over that because the big question, if you just look at the numbers is what's breath like, right? That's what everybody's complaint has been. And the feeling that this is sort of, even on the days when we had a rally, uh, underneath it has been a really unhealthy market. So do you feel like we're sort of in a new technical or sentiment spot right now? Oh yeah, oh yeah. What's being created now is symphonic, as we used to say on the desk at Jay Aaron. And what's being created now is you know, first of all, by the magnitude of some of the best performing sectors today, like solar stocks, and then we have home construction, which makes sense. Retail, um, when you have things like that rallying in enormous magnitudes, that's the short covering wave, right? That's the, mm -hmm. that's the guys that are just blowing their brains out, right? And why do they have to blow their brains out? Because the S&P today cleared the last of the moving averages, right? We broke a downward sloping trend line from the high of the year, right? We broke above that downward sloping trend line and we got above the 100 day moving average to what I call blue sky trading because above the S&P, the only resistance level left is the last high, right? We've kind of cleared through all the uh, consolidation levels. So that's super important and that's why the shorts have to cover. What we're gonna run into now is you're gonna see seasonality start to blow people's minds, right? Because we are set up for a Santa rally certainly, but with 17 sectors rallying of large magnitude today, this stuff is in play, right? Like this isn't just a one day, oh, boom, they covered and now we're going to go back to selling. This is not what happened. This is changing the direction of the market very much because underneath the stock market rally, 
were enormous moves in the macro markets, right? We had, first of all, you nailed it. We have three sigma rally in treasury markets right across the curve, right? We have a two sigma rally in junk bonds, right? Wow. All across the entire curve, there's a new low close in rates, right? From twos to thirties, new low close for the move. That's kind of confirming that the high in yields is in to me and that we're starting to sort of tick lower. And it may not be, I'm not expecting a complete slide, but the highs are in and we're now going to consolidate and tick lower. So we had a two and a half sigma rally in the dollar index today, right? Which is, a, um, excuse me, a two and a half sigma slide in the dollar index today. Dollar index sold off aggressively, like a 1% move in one day. That's a, we, that caused a huge move in Aussie yen higher, which fuels all the commodities. Right. We had a four sigma slide in the dollar versus the one, a three sigma slide versus the Swissy, the euro and the pound. Pretty clear that the dollar highs are in the rearview mirror and the dollar may start heading lower now. So with all of this stuff going on, we saw some bounces in the commodity markets, WTI trading up to $80, iron ore is exploding. It's risk on everywhere. And we're heading towards the end of the year and there's nothing to do but performance chase. Mm. So you tell me what's going to happen between now and December, and then we can start to talk about what's going to happen for the first and second quarter of next year when it seems like the Fed is going to be accommodative to whatever the economy has to throw at them. That's what I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I think that last part is going to be what we what we chew over and debate. So I'm going to I'm going to talk. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to channel all the bears out there. And we know there are still so many. Right. People probably there are probably plenty of people who hate this rally because they just don't see it. Same people have been sitting on the sideline for tech. They're going to say, what could possibly go wrong? Everything can't be perfect. Everything can't be rallying. Can it? Well, what they're going to start to point to is, you know, well, first of all, we just pointed out by the fact that 17 sectors had two sigma or more breakouts it's today. Crazy. That it, it's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's literally an anomaly sort of day if you watch the tape every day, right? Like we we can definitely identify this. So more, most importantly, the factor is, you know, this is, we, we've come out of, what, what seems clear to me is that the rate hiking cycle is over, right? This CPI data is proof right, that the Fed is not going to have their hand to the fire anymore, at least not for the next foreseeable several months. And so if that's the case and, you know, bonds are not going to be, you know, tumbling down, you know, into the end of a three-year sell-off and maybe there's just some consolidation, maybe Fed funds just peaked and now they stay within a 1% range, you know, either way, stock market's going to love that. Stock market's going to love that. And I could see that being the case now that oil is not going to obviously be going through 100 anytime soon. I could see that being the case for months on end. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So what does this do? Let, let's, let's, let's go back to some of the sentiment because I think this is what's so powerful about what you did on Halloween when we were talking because you were looking at 
you know, we and we have a lot of people, rightly so, that dive into the economic data. What does monetary policy mean? All those macro things that we focus on. But you're always really paying attention to market positioning and sentiment and how kind of people are set up for events. And and you rightly really called out the fact that the, everybody was bearish. The market was really short. Everyone was short. Everyone was sort of exposed going into that. Um, how did things feel now? Um, we know we had short covering, but do you, you know, is it, does a day like this sort of change that market sentiment? Are people going to be rethinking this now that we saw the breath and some of these, this confirmation coming through? Would you expect the positioning to get more neutral or people chasing this, this bull rally now? I think that they're going to have to, you know, I, I think that there, there's definitely going to be some element of performance chasing. I mean, the S&P is, you know, up 400 points off the lows. It's broken out technically. It's got tailwinds galore, right? I mean, they're all over the tape today. Like, it's blinding, right? So, yes, I think that this is a big change in sentiment day. I wrote about it this morning. Today's not a day that I normally publish, but I was jumping out of my skin for the CPI number. And so when I saw the reaction, I was like, you know, when you're expecting something to happen and it happens right before your eyes, it's like, okay, it's time to write to the clients and say, CPI is out. It's benign Buy stocks. Right. I mean, it was just seemed like something that's like, okay, this is like, this is green light go for, you know, something into the first quarter. And I think it's something that, you know, when, when you put out tweets, Maggie, you get a lot of, uh, you get a lot of information back, right. And by, by the feedback that you get. And I put out a tweet saying a very popular tweet that got tons of engagement saying that I don't think people realize how big of a deal it is that, you know, energy market came off and the Fed just had a dovish press conference, right? Like sounds mm -hmm. like a pivot or whatever I said. And people just started throwing rocks at me from an economic perspective. <laughs> and I'm like, so what? But don't you, aren't you afraid of this, you know, household debt? Like, so what? Oh, you know, what about what about credit? I'm like, you know, those are Loch Ness monsters. They've always been around. Right. And they're just at enormous numbers. And that doesn't mean that people see that number and say, OK, you know what? Bail out of my stock portfolio. Other people are borrowing money like nobody does that. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think that people are going to have to say, like, yeah, I understand. We've got some towering deficits over here. We've got a trillion dollars in credit card debt over here. And that's going to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. It's it it, it is hard for some people to do that. And also there's that tension. There's been this tension between the economics and some of the economic models that people have always followed. And then some of the trading activity that we've seen, that's been hard to line up, whether it's from a timing point of view or whatever. In fact, so we just had a question come in um, and this is this, it sort of speaks to this. I think it was Andreas posted something earlier. I've, I've obviously been out of pocket. I was at an RV event out of the country, um, but so I haven't had a chance to catch up on our own content, but um, AJ asking, do you have any thoughts on what Andreas said about how this may rally makes a December rate hike more likely? So I think this is the, okay, this is the economic conversation about is the market now undoing what the Fed wanted? Part of why they were able to pause is because yields had done a lot of the work for them. There's that economic argument, but then you're really focused on what's happening in the market, the actual market action that's taking place. How do you figure out how to balance those two, Tony? You know, it, it's definitely something that has to be considered for sure. You know, you have to balance, you know, the bullishness of the technical tailwinds of the seasonal tailwinds of the bearish sentiment bubble that we were just in again. You know, you have to figure out how long it's going to take to work that all off. 
right? And and yeah. how long it's going to take, you know, for for things to shift back where the pendulum swings too far, too fast in the bull to the bull camp or things like that. You know, I'm anxious to see how the street report responds to this, right? And if the pencil pushers on the street aren't um, sitting up in their chair and coming out salivating like after today's price action, then they should just go back to sleep, mm. and you should stop talking to them. Because today's action is something that like, you know, it, it has to have you on the edge of your seat for the next couple of months of trading. You know what I mean? Like you just don't see reactions like that in the markets all the time. And it came at the perfect time where, you know, the seasonality hadn't kicked in because the market was still hysterically reacting to the violence in the Middle East and the refunding and the bear market and treasuries. And then, you know, once sentiment gets too far, you know, swung in the wrong direction, you can't you don't even know what's going to happen next, but something happens next that makes the markets agree with it. Yeah. You know, so it's like one of those fascinating, fascinating phenomenons and why markets are so amazing. Yeah. Right. Because there's no there's no um, you don't need a, a, you don't need a Hofstra degree to be able to you know understand that stuff. That's just from studying what's going on out there. So that's yeah. where I feel like we're in a position of strength and the market is, too. So. Yeah, re really fascinating stuff. So um, I just want to take a, a step back. And I think this is, again, a, it speaks a little bit about the sort of sentiment setup that you, you've been so on, Tony. Jason asking, I need a simple education here. Why is a month-on-month -month miss of one-tenth of a percent on CPI read such a big story? It doesn't seem like a huge difference. I think this is exactly the point, isn't it, Tony? That is a great question. And, and a question that I would, you know, that's a sort of mature question to ask. And even if it sounds like, you know, a beginner looking for a lesson, that's a, a very mature question to ask. Like, how the hell does a, a you know, how does that little of a data difference matter? Mm -hmm. What it does is more importantly than forget about the magnitude, right? The scary thing for the markets has been inflation, right? We just saw the oil price dump $20, $10, Energy gasoline dumped before that. Energy prices got cheaper. Gold price backed off the highs, the whole thing, right? And so the market now is just looking for a chance to say, you know, how are we going to work off this oversold, over, you know, overshorted condition? And then once the market lets it in on the fact that says, there's probably not going to be an atom bomb on the downside if there's no inflation coming in the next month. So what are you going to try to do? Stay short until the next inflation number, mm. right? Like forget it. It's time to trade, right? And so the market sends a signal that you have to put the magnitude aside, but when it opens up the floodgates like this and changes the entire world from the, from the currency markets to the bond market, to the equity market, I bet the goddamn real estate market traded today, like hotcakes. And I'm just saying, you have to pay attention to watershed days like this. And if you're yeah. not in there with your sleeves rolled up trading, either getting the hell out of your short or adding to your longs or putting new positions on, you're playing a different game. Yeah. And Jason, I think that we we often, I, I have had people for many years tell me, um, it, it's never one number, but it's a trend, right? So we've been seeing sort of evidence coming in, moving in this direction, sort of feeding into that narrative. And sometimes it's just the last sort of, you know, piece on the Jenga pile that has, hey. that convinces everybody that it's, it's disinflationary now. Maggie, exactly. So the Jenga pile was just the whole world looking at inflation data and saying, is that it? 
Like, it, is, is it really going to curl over? Like, really? And then today we just said 3.00% market and the whole freaking thing collapsed. And everybody was like, yeah, you know what? It is not going to be a threat right now. I have to fix my fuck my portfolio. That's all right. <laughs> we, 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 you know, we, we, we recognize that, uh, that, that is one of our sort of charms and vices, our ability to speak freely here on Real Vision. Yes, um, for sure. Yeah, but, but, but that's true. So it did, it did feel like that. So great question coming in from DD. Uh, Tony, are hedge funds still missing out on this rally and what's their game plan going forward? And how, you know, how does that impact the market? Cause talk about playing catch up. I got to think some people are talking about underperformance. They, they get paid to perform. They can't underperform. Oh, this is this. I mean, there had to be a lot of broken windows and broken keyboards today because I'm sure that a lot of people that were short were not able to get out of everything that they're short. I don't know if you noticed, Maggie, but there are little sort of blurbs floating around out there in the markets like there is a record short position in ExxonMobil. Right. And so I get that. It's fair. You know, they think gas demand is going to back off. The recession bros think that all the energy stocks are going down. Like, I get that. But that's just an indication of what traders are not afraid to do mm. in this in this economy, in this market, in this scenario. Right. And no, so I'm not saying that, like, Exxon is definitely a stock that's going to rally. Like, I have no idea. But my point is, like, if there's a record short in Exxon, then there's a lot of big short positions out there in companies that are just not going to go down now. Right. And so all of this has got to get worked off before people get a chance to catch their breath. Like the portfolios are still upside down for what is going to happen. And so it's, they're not going to be able to get right ship, get the right to ship in a day. And so that's why we're going to see some volatility and man, that that's where the opportunity is going to be. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I also noticed on, uh, I think it was CNBC's website, a headline that Michael Burry reveals a new bet against chip stocks after closing out a different short. So, you know, you're right. There are people who are making bets still in this environment. And so, you know, this kind of move maybe creates some issues for some folks. Want to go back to some of the questions in a second, but just wanted to flag as well. So we've got retail sales coming out. We've got some more economic data, so we'll see. It'll be, you know, perhaps a test of what's happening because it seems to be like you can get economic strength as long as you don't have inflation. That's a great scenario for stocks specifically. So a lot of people betting that maybe retail won't, even if it's strong, won't spook everyone because, you know, you've got the inflation part. We also have on the sort of geopolitical front, um, tech executives are going to be keeping a close eye on a scheduled meeting between President Biden and Chinese President uh, Xi that's happening in San Francisco on the sidelines of the APEC summit. Andreas and George Manis sat down to discuss the outlook for China's economy. Here's a clip from that. I'm not really very optimistic that the government is going to announce the kind of changes to the structure of China's economy that um, 
we would necessarily think are appropriate. And I say that not just uh, kind of with a Western economist hat on, which of course I wear by definition, but also there are many Chinese economists who actually are saying, you know, we have to do more about consumption. We have to do more about opening up. We have to reform our service producing industries. Uh, but these are not things that come naturally to Leninists, and it certainly doesn't fit very well with uh, the overall ambition and uh, goals that the party has, in which it believes that the party leads everything, quote unquote, um, which is everything from the economy and commerce to society and um, social intercourse and so on and so forth. So um, <clears throat> what can they do? Well, Xi Jinping obviously lays a lot of belief and stresses all the time something that he calls new productive forces, which are really the industries and the sectors that are at the cutting edge of science and technology. So electric vehicles, batteries, climate change mitigation, green economy, um, artificial intelligence, uh, quantum computing, semiconductors, for heaven's sake, is something which the Chinese are absolutely desperate to be able to do on their own without having to rely on, you know, Korea, Japan, the United States, Netherlands, and so on. So, um, yeah, that's the goal. It was a really timely conversation. You can see the whole interview on our website. To join and get access, hit the link in the chat, scan the QR code, or you can go to app.realvision.com. That's where the RV 2.0 is living right now. Um, Tony, I know it's mostly a geopolitical event. It is a big deal. Are you going to be watching that? I mean, I don't know that's going to have any market impact. I, I have I don't even have enough time to take my eyes off the U.S. stock market, Maggie, right now. There's so many opportunities that were opened up by today's price action that I'm going to just stick to my knitting. Yeah. You know, it, it, but you bring up a good point because a lot a lot of people there had been a narrative in addition to all the bearishness that the best opportunities are outside the U.S., that this is going to be the moment to, you know, and now all of a sudden everything's back to the races. So I'm guessing that's that's another sort of narrative of repositioning, at least into year end that maybe people are going to be taking a hard look at. Not to Great say call. that they can't go up too. You know, sometimes a, a rising U.S. can have a halo effect. But um, I want to get to this question. It is a great one. Joseph asking Tony, but it speaks to sentiment maybe. What metrics will you watch to see if this new rally runs out of steam? Yeah, Maggie, exactly. You know, it's going to come down to positioning and sentiment in the end. Um, but we're already, we're already questioning when it's going to end. I mean, yeah, I yeah, that's exactly. still the knee jerk, right? Like, and, right. and that's right, Joseph. We, but we're we're programmed for that right now. I think. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a it's been like a four hundred point S and P move in a straight line, you know, in in a pretty short time. And you know, that's the what's amazing that a lot of less experienced traders understand, and even I didn't understand for a long time was like that's still the beginning of a move. You know, that's even more so the beginning of a move when we someday look back, you know, on what the end of 2024 looked like. You know what I mean? It's not just going to look like that one bar extension through the moving average is higher and then a failure, you know, like this is going to be really something to pay close attention to. So we'll see how it pans out. Uh, Nico's saying, TG, TG, my man, <laughs> do you think the Russell will play catch up? You nailed this move. Boom. Um. <laughs> Man, Nico's too kind, man. Um, the Russell's a tough call. You know, I, I do think it's definitely probably due to, to you know, overperform in a, after a scenario of rising rates where it's underperformed for so long. So I think a lot of that is going to have to do with sort of surfing the curve trade. 
You know, like it's the same kind of scenario, even though we've broken free, we've still going to have to deal with potential waterfalls and pullbacks, right? Like that's still going to be part of the bull market dynamic. But I would say that watching the curve is going to be still a thing that's going to be like that triad between the curve, the VIX and the Russell, where the curve starts sort of um, flattening too quickly. The stock, uh, the VIX, you know, has a reaction and, and trades higher, stocks kind of back off. And, you know, maybe the Russell gets crushed in a scenario mm. like that, you know, but when we have green light go for stocks, you know, once the Russell recovers for a little bit more technically, then I think that, that, you know, it'll definitely have chances to catch up just kind of like how the NASDAQ is going to lead. If rates are going to go lower, big tech is just going to take off and be gone. And, you know, the NASDAQ will be in the lead. Maybe the Russell will have a chance to catch up. But I don't like trading the lag dogs in the race, Nico. So I like trading the leaders. Yeah, great point. Uh, so I think we we talked about this as well last time because there was a lot happening with uranium. So I feel like we should, we got a couple people asking about that. Teo, weekly thoughts on uranium, any names you like? And then someone else asking, Doug, uh, asking about, um, you two miners doing well. How do you take profits on a big win? Scale out tech levels, hold some, sell some. He didn't <laughs> even say questions. it. He didn't say it. He didn't even give the right answer. Trailing stop. Trailing stop is the right answer, right? You put your stop below a moving average and you ride it up. And when the price intersects with your moving average, you get out and, th and that's it. You know, that that's how you ride. That's how you stay in trends for a long time. That's how your two day views turn into two week, turn into two year views Believe me, it's happened, you know, once or twice to me and it's unbelievable. But if you have that stop loss mentality, trailing stop mentality, that's the, the way that you play that. And I'm glad you mentioned uranium because we nailed it in the last call. That's what I mean. Ago. I mean, across the board. That's why we had to stop and acknowledge that because people beat you up when you're wrong. We have to at least take a moment was, to, yeah. to sort of recognize and underscore the exclamation point when you're right. I don't. We have to say one thing, though, Maggie, I did rewatch that. And the one thing that I also had that I did have wrong was that I was saying that I thought rates were going to continue to go higher. But that's kind of before we turned over that presser um, FOMC meeting that kind of changed everything. So I would have yeah. I would have changed course in there in between from saying, yeah, I think rates are still going to be forced higher. So anyway, that's I but just that's, wanted that's to why it's that. important when you you know, not to keep belaboring this, but that's why it's important when you're watching it from the macro point of view, but you're also looking at the market action. And your gut went with the market action, was telling you that it was sort of prime for that, even if narratively you were still thinking rates were going higher. And that's why that's so important. That's right. You were very, very astutely noticing that dynamic, Maggie. Great call. Yeah. So um, we talked about sort of the trailing stock for uranium, but what about, um, are you still feeling, what do you see happening there? You still think there's room to go on that? Or was that, is that looking tired or? No, it's still, you know, it feels like one of the things that's going to go parabolic first before it backs off. Mm. Like it really does feel like, you know, like uranium is trading, like utilities don't want to pay the next offer. But when their option is to shut down the nuclear baseload power source, that's the actual cheapest form of energy base load power that they're creating, I doubt that they're going to do that, right? They're not going to shut that reactor down. So mm. it's just a matter of time before they kind of balk, pay higher prices. And there's just the, you know, it's kind of one of the, you know, it's the old, it's a story that's as old as time, you know, and, and Cuppy's the expert on the call, but like, there's like no physical uranium lying around right now. Sprott is taking so much of it off the markets and the market is going to have to adjust. And at higher prices, the 
uranium producers will produce more uranium and we'll get the market back in balance. But we're not there yet because of how long it takes to get reactors started and et cetera, et cetera, and get, excuse me, get uranium produced and get reactors started and all of that. So I still think that this trade is well intact. And that's why, just coincidentally, that's why the trailing stop is the way to go in the uranium trade, because it will give you a chance to ride if it goes parabolic at any level and, you know, maybe it goes extremely parabolic or it just rallies sharply. Either way, the trailing stop is the way to go because it, you have no idea where it's going on the upside. Let it tick a high and then confirm that it's backing off before you think about getting out. That's how I'm kind of looking at it. Great stuff. Great stuff and great advice. Um, Tony, such a fun day to have you on. Um, yeah. Give us a lot to think about. And we're going to be talking about this sort of tension between watching the market, this year-end performance chasing, some of the big macroeconomic, Christopher's saying that David Rosenberg's on now um, somewhere else, sounding a bit bearish. But this is all about differences in time frames too. So we're going to be unpacking that, everyone, all over our program. So come on over to the Real Vision website. We're going to make sure we dig into it. But great job, Tony. Thank you so much. It's going to be fun watching you have fun with this market. Yeah, yeah. We're in, we are in for some really, really exciting times in the stock market. I'm, I'm trying to make an impression on everybody that I can right now that things change today and you should be paying attention to it. So hopefully we'll get some street cred on that if it works out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Thanks, Tony. Thanks so much. Thanks to all of you. We're going to be talking options later this week. We've got Jim Carson coming on. That should be interesting and add another layer to what to watch for this market. And Raul's going to do an AMA, everybody. Drinks solo. Watch out. We know what happens when that happens. So um, a little bit to look forward to. So happy to be back. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you same time tomorrow. Take care and good luck out there, everybody. People are going to lose their minds. This is a moment in history unlike anything humanity's gone through. It's a very different world for humans to come. Take a step back and see the broad picture, which is the way all these technologies are interlinked. Because this is all about exponentiality, and humans can't think in exponential terms. How consequential do you want to say machine intelligence is? It's almost certainly as consequential as writing. How long did writing take to disseminate through the human population? You know, hundreds, thousands of years. And we're dealing with it now on a scale of months. But in this kind of world, you're compounding 100% growth every year, and the numbers become astronomical. AI is going to spot patterns in the world that were just completely invisible to us. Even if you think that the AI and the robots are your demise, you might as well bloody invest in them and make some money out of it. If not, you're just going to be angry man shaking your fists at the clouds. 